This is the main podcast with Carrie and Evan. The main podcast is a free media source with a mission to provide better transparency in the market to connoisseurs, medical patients, recreational users, store owners, growers, extractors, and everyone in between. This is made possible through generous support from our sponsors who cover all corners of the great state of Maine. Special thank you goes out to Treeline Cannabis, Planet Tim, Watered Roots, Rugged Roots, The Head of Yeti, Tastefully Baked, Cure Cannabis, The Shack 420, Humble Family Farms, Cannamelts, Salty Cultivation, The North Fire, Highbrow, Team Green, Seaworks & Co., Bade Space, Zero Gravity Extracts, Wisely Cannabis, and Stoner & Co. For more information on how you can support those who support us, please visit our website, www.mainpodcast.com, and click our Sponsors tab. brought a spin drift with you. I did. I did. Wouldn't leave home without it. Are Wouldn't you just jumping in on that whole bandwagon? or No, I don't know what you're talking about. Loyal, yeah. She's actually a loyal spin drift drinker. She, I saw the bumper sticker on her car. Oh, right. <laughs> so for those who don't know, Emerald Sky Financial uh, specializes, now at least it specializes in cannabis, accounting, bookkeeping, kind of go ahead, give us a little intro here about everything about Emerald Sky. Yes. So um, I'm an enrolled agent, which mm -hmm. is the highest certification that the IRS awards someone. It's a three-part exam. Um, and I use that to basically take people from point zero to where they can feel comfortable with and sleep at night with their finances, with how they're being handled, with they're actually being done. I mean, most people I work with started off with nothing. And so we've gotten them to a point of record keeping that if the IRS came in, they would be covering their bases. Started with no bookkeeping. Yeah, yeah no, no bookkeeping generally, no receipts, no paper. Um, most of them have a seaport account. Some of them did not. I mean, I kind of like to think it's hard to describe what I do sometimes. And I know that's not always a good I mean, <laughs> selling point, but I like to think I'm kind of like the Mary Poppins of weed, where it's kind of a mess, and I come in, and I clean things up, and I help everyone yeah. out, mm -hmm. and then people are ready to do it on their own or hire someone full-time or whatever, and then I go on to help the next person. Well, it seems kind of like the industry, though, in a sense where... The finances, as where's the sets for any business, kind of take a backseat. You know, there's it, oh, yeah. it seems like this industry, there's always enough money coming in where it doesn't necessarily have to worry too much about the books until yeah. the, you know, Uncle Sam comes knocking. So that it's kind of funny that you say that a lot of them that you go to are a mess because I could see it. You know, it's very easy to understand how, why it wouldn't be. You know, all these people just have, there's more cash coming in than there ever is really going out. So they're like, hey, the business is going, it's working. No real reason to get squared away yet. But, um, um, you know, I, I think it would have been daunting too for a lot of them, especially yeah. on a personal level, uh, and let alone the business. Like, how do you claim? How well, do, then you, they get to how the do point. you account yeah. for? How do you look? And so when you create this entity, this, this business model, you're like, the last thing I know is how I'm going to take care of that. And so and that's where you step in. Yeah, that's where I step in. And <clears throat> historically, um, this business was not a business where you kept receipts because it could mean you're liable, criminally liable. Mm. So when I started getting into this business, I wanted people to feel comfortable with, you know, working with someone who's like, hey, I get it. You know, I get why you weren't keeping receipts, but 
you actually do have to pay income. You have to pay tax on all your income, whether it's legal or not legal. So um, if you're selling cocaine down the street, you need to report your income. <laughs> Who's going to do that, though? <laughs> well, exactly. And what is the wait? So what is the right. benefit of doing that? Like, does that make yeah. sense? Like, because you're right. already yes. committing a crime in the sense. So why would anyone report illegal income? Well, I mean, that's a really good question, right? So, <laughs> yeah. I, and especially like if you're making this money and you don't feel you should be paying taxes, why should you? Right. Well, I mean, there are a few reasons. Like, if you ever want to get a mortgage, mm -hmm. you know, people need to see your tax returns. Um, for lots of other, you know, social security. When you retire someday, if you don't report any income. I mean, that's what your social security is based on, you much. know, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and also, I mean, Al Capone was not captured by the FBI. The IRS took him down. That's so, fascinating. They did it. You know, love the that's IRS. Why she, that's, so that's how yeah. most guy was formed. No, no, She's wait like, a I could have gotten Al Capone out of this. <laughs> I could have got him out of that. Let me be clear. I do not love the IRS because yeah. I feel like they're really screwing over the cannabis industry in particular because you can bet your ass that part Purdue Pharma is not getting penalized the way the cannabis industry is. Right. So, no, I don't love the IRS, but I don't want to see anyone taken down by the IRS because I do see how hard people in this industry work. Mm -hmm. And I know it's really painful to have to pay the tax. Like, so, so there's this 280E, which basically says for cannabis businesses, you can only take away cost of goods sold from your gross revenue. So say you make $100,000 in sales, and then it costs you $20,000, I'm gonna say for cultivation, to, to grow that. So your profit right there is 80,000. And then if you were a sandwich shop, you could take away your legal fees, your copy paper, your toilet paper, um, you know, anything having to do with owning a business, business cards, advertising, all that kind of stuff. So say after all that, you're taxed on $60,000. Yeah. Well, 280E says no, because you're selling a schedule one controlled substance, we're taxing you on that 80,000 even though you spent all this other money on business expenses. Right. No write-offs. Mm -hmm. No what, deductions. Right, no, no deductions. deductions. Right. No write-offs. And when, when, when will that be addressed or when would that change? Is it, is it something that as a nation continues to become a little bit more comfortable or start engaging more in cannabis or is that going to be a resolution? Will that lead to a sort of a tax re resolution or, or? I mean, hopefully it will. There mm -hmm. are some acts going through I've got this Congress and the House that pass the House, but then get blocked by the Senate yep. to deschedule um, yeah. cannabis. Mm -hmm. I've seen a little but bit. But they about keep that. getting blocked, and so um, organizations like NCIA, is it a party thing or is it just sort of? Um, I think I think it is a party thing, but I don't think all Democrats are for descheduling. Sure. Right. You know, and then there's the Safe Banking Act. So a lot of people assume, oh. Banks just, they can't bank cannabis, you know, only credit union can. Well, banks can, but it, it is so um, expensive to have all the... Um, With fees? Well, n no, the fees are what they charge you. So Seaport mm -hmm. charges $45 to have a cannabis account, no matter how much money you have going through there. And then they charge a percentage of how much cash you deposit. So how much they have to handle cash. Mm -hmm. Because then they have to report it all. 
And they have to they have to deal with the cash at that point they, too. They have to manage the cash. Mm-hmm. It smells like cannabis, so there's that issue. And then um, they have to fill out these currency transaction reports. So anyone out there who is like, "Ooh, I'm just going to deposit eight thousand dollars every couple of weeks, and I'll never get reported," well, if you have a cannabis account at Seaport, you're already on the radar. Yeah, you're you're making a mistake if you're trying to game the system by depositing under $10,000 because that is way more suspicious than actually just depositing 30,000. Right. Mm-hmm. No, oh, no. Wow. Yeah. For I sure. never really thought of it that way. And I'm I sure feel like makes sense. So just kind of go back to what we were saying in the beginning too. I feel like this happens to a lot of cannabis businesses because like I said, finances kind of go to the wayside, the money's there, they start small. And then before you know it, it's snowballed to the point where their organization is so big that unless someone like you came in, it almost would be, it'd be a nightmare for someone that really doesn't have experience like you or has done the research. Cause you were saying in the beginning, when you first started to go into the cannabis scene, you were going to every convention possible. You were calling dispensaries. You were trying to figure out as much info that you could from the outside to really, and you even, you go on the ground level, which you said that you think that's a big flaw for a lot of other places or a lot of other firms maybe because they're not realizing what's the root of the issue, you know? Well, I think, I, I mean, there are two different things. Like in Maine, there aren't that many accountants who will work with cannabis companies. Mm-hmm. And part of that is because cannabis companies don't see the reason for a bookkeeper because a lot of them did smart start small. Mm-hmm. So they're like, well, I, I do everything. I can just write checks on Tuesdays and pay bills on Wednesdays and this and that and the other thing. But, you know, when you're starting to gross 100, 200, 300, 500,000, a month for some people mm-hmm. that's just not reasonable for you to do that right that's not what you're good at that's mm-hmm. not why you're growing cannabis so yeah. you know if you were just, that good to have a bookkeeper you wouldn't be growing right. cannabis you'd probably be someone's account <laughs> yeah so. and i'm gonna say like people spend so much money on their merch your merch will not save you from the irs you know <laughs> so they will say oh i don't have money to hire a bookkeeper i don't have money to hire an accountant really well you have enough money to buy all these hoodies to sell yeah. and, you know, protect yourself. Like, mm-hmm. I want to save people from themselves, yeah. mm-hmm. you know? No, for sure. But, I, I mean, I think you were talking about a couple episodes ago. Like, money is a very emotional thing for people. Yeah. They're looking at what money they think other people have or what other people are spending and what they're spending it on. Mm-hmm. You know, so some people, it's just easier to just bury it. Yeah. Well, it's kind of a, the mentality to the industry. <laughs> what it's always yeah. been. The safest literally, place, yeah. the literally safest place was a, somewhere <laughs> nobody right. can find it. Totally. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It does come from that. Yeah. We sure. talked about one issue that I thought was that I want to touch upon, which was you want to dive right in. The, yeah, I do. I do. I the want to talk about the tax. Like the it. edible. Yes. It's just something that I feel like we could expand upon because oh, sure. now I have more questions too. Because I always thought it was an edible tax, just as far as like to and what we're talking about is. The base tax for cannabis, medical cannabis, is 5.5%. Mm-hmm. And then for any baked good, it's an additional 2.5%. Yes. Now, I always read it as edible tax. But what you're saying is it's not just a blanket edible tax. It's actually a baked good tax. Yes, and that is a linguistic thing. Mm-hmm. So when main revenue services, you know, they're calling it edibles, they're not – I don't think they were really thinking about the industry and how anything you can eat that – 
is medicated is considered an edible. So they weren't thinking about candy and it's almost beverages it's, and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Right. Shows the disconnect right yeah, there almost right. about the difference between legislation and actual practicality. Mm. And when I started in there and I was reading, because they do put out bulletins, main revenue service, so you can read the bulletin that will spell out exactly what is taxed and how it is taxed. Mm -hmm. um, but when I started, that bulletin was still a little vague yeah. Um, they updated it this spring, and so it's a little more clear. But I was calling Maine Revenue and like, okay, can you be clear? Because I also was new to Maine state tax, so I needed to know. Mm -hmm. And so almost every single company I worked with was calculating tax incorrectly. So either overpaying or underpaying. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, if, you know, candy, that's 5.5%. If it's, I and... Oh, I do want to say too, like anything I say during this should not be taken as tax advice. Right. Sure, Hire sure. an accountant, go talk to someone, mm -hmm. you know, Correct. but call Maine Revenue. They're very helpful there. But um, <laughs> Megan's called them a bunch. <laughs> yeah, I talk to them all the time. Um, so it's I think if it's over 80 percent sugar, mm -hmm. it's 5.5. Yep. But any prepared food is what they call it. So prepared like muffins, brownies, cookies, cake pops things like that, mm -hmm. that's 8%. And it's, so it's eight, so any prepared food that is under 80% sugar volume, per, like preferred volume. Yes. Because like a lollipop that is usually, still prepared food, but it's eight, more than 80% yeah. sugar. I mean, generally if there's flour in it, you should charge 8% tax. Okay. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. General rule. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's weird though, because like I was just telling her, we were having this conversation. I was like, so wait, gummies? And she's like, no, gummies probably don't get, you know, that two and a half no, extra percent. Do. Yeah. And yeah. Just, I was like, oh my God. So, and you were also saying that there, if you're listening to this and you think that maybe, hey, I have overpaid and you've overpaid a, a gross amount of money over that you can actually go ahead and file to get it back. And you were kind of talking about the pros and cons surrounding that whole maneuver. Yeah. So, I mean, if you really go through your sales reports with your POS system and you look and you say, okay, I overpaid in tax, but you did take that tax in from people, mm -hmm. you know? So you have to look at it and say, okay, I thought I, you know, all, everything I sold was edible. So I taxed it all at 8%. Mm -hmm. So I sold $3,000 worth of candy and taxed at 8% and paid main revenue 8%. And you want to correct that and you feel you have the documentation to prove that, then yes, you, you, you can apply for a refund. But you said now the only thing is, is when you do start to go down that road, be, pre be prepared to maybe open some doors that yeah. you didn't want to open. That's totally true. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, if you are just figuring out your POS system and you feel like you did some wrong things on your return by underpaying or overpaying, I encourage you to amend them or have your accountant or bookkeeper amend them mm -hmm. because it just keeps it clean. Yeah. You know, and I was saying earlier that main revenue is comparing the sales you report to your federal tax return. Mm -hmm. So if you, uh, you know, your bookkeeping is all loosey goosey and you, have 200,000 in income on your tax return and you reported 150 to main revenue, you're going to have to explain that difference. Yeah. And then there's late fees and, you know, penalties and interest. And, you know, that's just another reason to pay your taxes. Yep. Like if I can go into that too, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, you asked before, like, well, why, why pay your taxes? Mm -hmm. Because there is no limit to audits for evasion. So usually there's, I think it's like a, 
six year, seven year limit going back for audits if mm -hmm. it's like a mistake or I think it might even be three to seven years. Let's say, I had always on heard seven years from my parents, to be yeah. honest with you. And through time, they always preached it. Make sure you keep it for seven years. I think it's they say like three year. years. Oh, they did get audited every year. <laughs> <laughs> it must have happened at some point. My when dad. I was waiting tables, I got audited, mm -hmm. of all things. This was many years ago, and you would think. But then again, in the industry, there are percentages played in that industry as well. It's not full disclosure. It well, never it all has comes been back to full cash. Disclosure. Mm -hmm. right. Cash is slippery. How do mm -hmm. people track cash? Mm -hmm. And yeah. that's a good segue into my other favorite topic, Form 8300. Form 8300. What, what is that? Yeah. So how long form, ago? <laughs> how long ago? What Did, was this form brought into place or? A oh, it's for been in play for a while. Is this okay. the one that's due a cash and yes. massive cash payments? Yes, ten thousand, oh. which isn't massive oh, in the cannabis industry. I needed to know industry. this actually. So I yes. know it's actually really small in this in this in industry. this industry. Yes, yeah. 100%. So, um, so what I like to do is look at what's happening west uh, things coming westward, mm -hmm. like what's happening in California with tax court cases and yeah. enforcement. Started happening in Colorado, and Trickle then down to here. Yeah, yeah, and then mm -hmm. I went to a seminar with someone who works in the Midwest, and she her only job is to file Form eighty three hundred. Um, so Form eighty three hundred is basically for cash service businesses. So businesses that mainly operate in cash, used car dealerships, um, money order places, mm -hmm. and the cannabis industry. Mm -hmm. So if um, if Someone came in and they're like, okay, we're going to buy, you know, say they're doing wholesale. Okay, we're going to buy $10,000 worth. Um, here's 10000 in cash. Mm -hmm. You then have to say, great, I'm happy to take your cash. Here's a W-9 to fill out with your tax information and a client information form. And I need a copy of your ID. And then what you would then do is fill out a form and submit it to the IRS saying, um, Joe gave me $10,000 in cash. It was for medical marijuana mm -hmm. um, on this day. And then that's really it. What's so, on the what's on the person? So I'm the say I'm the person paying. What, yes. What's on my end as far as giving that cash up? Because obviously that's on the person receiving it. They're like, hey, can you fill out this for me? I got to file this for taking the cash. What about the person putting it up? Do they have any special forms that have to be filled out also? No. No, they don't. So if if I say you're giving me the cash, mm -hmm. if I'm not asking you for those forms, that's on me. Right. So I, it's my onus to report that money. Because you're depositing it. When we're taking because it out I'm of Because I'm taking it from right. you. Because okay. if you're laundering money, which is why they created this form, mm -hmm. um, then... I like I'm putting the hot seat. I'm like sweating. I'm like, I'm laundering <laughs> money. I'm like, oh shit, I didn't do that. <laughs> then so then I'm kind of like a party you, to that. Right. You know so what they I mean? Want, that's, like your, that's like you letting go of your liability in a sense or saying, hey, yeah. I'm tracking the cash for you. This yeah. is what I'm depositing. I'm reporting it to the IRS. Mm -hmm. If you are filing your taxes and you're not under-reporting your income, then there's not a problem. It's already, our, from our end, it's already yeah. reported in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. So you have mm -hmm. nothing to worry about. If you're not filing your taxes or if you're trying to hide cash or things like that, mm -hmm. you would probably be reluctant to fill out all that information right. or just someone saying like, hi, I'm going to send this form to the IRS telling them you gave me 20,000 in cash. <laughs> yeah. No one likes the sound of that, mm -hmm. even if it's even if it's all about board. So I always had this funny feeling and this is just to, it's about this, but segueing maybe off the topics that you have is that I always felt had this weird like, yep, there's. 
you know how many people are in America filing taxes? No way they're catching this, push that shit through. You know, like that's what I always thought. But I feel like, and this has nothing to do with business. This is just more like personal life between 18 and 20 something years old. Are you? Yeah. Okay. Like, you know, I always just, I always just thought, I said, I think oh, it's no, gonna resonate. Gonna, oh, Go I made, made a mistake. No one's going to notice. And I feel like that's what a lot of people think because it's just so damn big. You know, the United States is so big. There's so many people filing taxes. I just want to know your opinion on that standpoint or like the whole infrastructure arrest because obviously he said he got audited as a waiter. That's probably a random audit. Yes, they do have random audits. Now they're computerized. So mm -hmm. when you file your taxes, the computer will pick up on discrepancies. Mm -hmm. um, I do feel though, I'll just speak on this. So I do feel that as random as it is, I, I have to think the I've knew more people who were in the restaurant business who did get audited than I felt like I was hearing from well, there must a have. lot of the business people who had come in or a lot of the groupings of in other kinds of uh, work practices. There must be some type of So I think the cash heavy might get a little bit of a little, you know, there might be some weight, maybe, maybe well, not. It's a computer generated program. So I would assume that they can set certain parameters, you know, and stuff like that. So yeah. that's true. And also, I mean, up until fairly <laughs> recently, they were sending letter audits to a lot of poor people in the South. Really? Because they were like, send, you know, you send someone a letter from the IRS saying you owe us $500 and someone who doesn't understand it and is just like, I don't even want to deal with this. I'm just going to pay. Um, that's just money flowing in. So mm -hmm. they got a lot of flack for that. So now what they're doing and with Biden in office and, you know, to pay for things is the IRS is focusing on high high income non filers. So people who make over hundred, hundred and fifty thousand who just don't file their taxes. So they are direct. Which is like over three hundred billion dollars. It's called the tax gap. Wait, literally people that are making a hundred thousand dollars a year and just don't file their taxes. Oh yeah. How do you well, get away with that? I mean, people think taxes are boring, and they're so not. You read these stories of some people who are... I'm one of them that thinks they're boring. I'm just going <laughs> to... No, no everyone does. Everyone does. I think, well, right, sure. No, Maybe it's like boring. Read... It's above my head is the thing that I think for a lot of people, it's like yeah. it just... It's like, continually rewritten, too, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's like you yes, never can keep up with it. which is a total nightmare. This, this year has been a total nightmare for accountants because they were changing tax laws up until March, and then everyone's like, where's my refund? Where's my wow. stimulus? Where's my this? Where's by mm -hmm. that and accountants were like hold on because you could get more money but people are just so angsty about right. taxes so and they are boring like i don't even like doing my own taxes but i like reading about people who are like so and so tried to write off like ridiculous stuff there were these people in florida who are filing false tax returns claiming um refunds of like five hundred thousand dollars and getting them wait they were getting a five hundred thousand dollar refund yes so could we hire you to do that for me? <laughs> that sounds kind of awesome. She was in there. Yeah. I wasn't doing Florida. it. No. It was like some random person. How can they, yeah, how how does they have exposed happen? it? Uh, somebody they figured, figured out a loophole. Yeah, they just figured it out. Some the dude IRS just gave it. it. And at what point do they realize that this is being funneled through? It was like two or three years later. Yeah. Oh, wow. wow. Well, hey, well, they made up a couple mil. That's Good a yeah. long time. Yeah. So, I mean, there's stuff like that going on mm -hmm. that is really interesting. So they are cracking down on high-income non-filers and cannabis businesses. Yeah. Because, oh, so. Oh, cannabis businesses in particular. Oh, yeah. yeah. Especially, I watched. Did that happen a, a couple of years ago, more centered on California? Um. Well, yes, it's always happening in California and yeah. Colorado. Is it a perpetual relationship they have on a federal level yes yeah, so this because is of what being I was such a say. massive supplier so this is the there? irs playbook 
Okay. So um, MJ Biz Magazine, one of their reporters filed a Freedom of Information Act and got this document that the IRS uses as a playbook for auditing cannabis businesses, specifically in Colorado, but can be applied everywhere mm. because they don't really understand the cannabis business. So they give this to their revenue agents, who are the people who go knock on doors and say, here's, here's all the tips for how you can get as much information as possible from this business in order to start the audit. And they were keeping this as just secret IRS document. Mm -hmm. um, meanwhile, they don't give a lot of guidance to tax professionals. Mm -hmm. right, that's what I was gonna say. On, it's like they have yeah. this massive playbook and no one can see it, purposely. but let me tell you, that thing's thick, like a yeah. Harry Potter book, okay? Yeah. And oh. We gotta, <laughs> we gotta sell it a little bit, okay? Couple Maybe chapters. like a, yeah, a chapter of a Harry Potter It's available Potter book. online, like anyone can go to MJ Biz and um, look it up. But that's crazy. Right? It's kind. Of, it's almost. It seems very like. A, I feel like a lot of the cannabis industry exacerbates some of the negative aspects of like the United States. One of them being like the tax law, the IRS, how it targets people that necessarily are poor, or undereducated, and that mm -hmm. just shows you. You know, unless you have the money to hire an accountant or someone like you, which is, in most cases, cannabis businesses, it makes sense to mm -hmm. do that to go ahead and spend the money. But this stuff it happens to a lot of basic people in America too. Yeah. You don't, you'll never find out those answers. Cause I don't know if any, I, you definitely have probably tried to call the IRS a couple of times, but I have tried to call the IRS and you don't get someone to answer most of the time. And if they do, they don't really know what they're talking about or they'll transfer you a guy that has a voicemail box that has too many voicemails in it and can't even accept anymore. So it's just like this non, it's like a perpetual cycle of just no information. You really, and they just say- You would they, think that there's, you speak on a good point too. And I want to illustrate it. Like you, they feel like there's no template that can be used. And yet look to Canada, and now it's obviously going to be taxed different, broken down different, but it's kind of a template. Like when I first start something, I look for the closest model and see how I can adapt that into maybe what I'm trying to solve. Mm -hmm. So I would think that finances or tax taxes could be perhaps understood a little bit, even from the larger corporations that are involved in it that have already, you know, jumped a lot of state lines. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, there are probably revenue agents who have been working in California and Colorado who now understand, you know, some of the costs of running a cannabis business and which ones are considered cost of goods mm -hmm. and which ones are deductions that you can't take. But, um, and by the way, there is a secret practitioner line, so I have a hotline to the IRS. You Which do. I saw. Wow. How do you get that? We will, we will drop that line on our Patreon. Um, for yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you still have to wait a long time, but, but you, you know. Someone that actually knows what. Yeah, you mm -hmm. know, like we're, we're under a lot of stress. You yeah. Know? We well, pay money for our, our licenses. And it so, makes sense that you should have yeah. someone to talk to. If a professional can't answer the damn question, then right. you should be able to ask the guys that you'd hope have some clue about, yeah. you know, what's going on there. Well, most so. people are kind of say, where's my refund? Like, that's why main, main, um, and the IRS, it's all like, where's my refund? Here's the page to go to. And people right. will still call and say, where's that my refund? Makes, and it almost seems like they've ruined it for the rest of us. I just <laughs> yeah, want to ask totally. the real question. Like, I don't give a crap where I have this actual <laughs> question, you know? Yeah. So no, that, that makes sense. So that you have to have some sort of back door to actually get in contact with those people because it's just a nightmare. Yeah. What are you noticing on the main state level about how they're understanding the ta uh, how to tax it, how to, how to approach it? It feels like, feel, I, I don't look at the tax, I haven't been involved directly with cannabis in a while, so I wouldn't have remembered what tactic I might have used. Um, but do they, are they able to, like are you able to find that fine line between? 
or between evasion and avoidance. Yeah. I'm not advocating well, you to no, do that. Like I'm just saying. That's essentially what an accountant is for. Yeah, right, right. But isn't that in almost any industry, too? You'll look for the fine line where you pay yes, what you need to, any to satisfy. Yes, any industry. Yeah. Avoidance is cannabis. legal. Sure. That's when you're consulting with someone and you're saying, okay, I'm going to do this. Is What's the best way for me to do this in order to pay the least amount of taxes? Mm-hmm. Evasion is when you do it after the fact. When you're like, oh, I did it this way, but I'm going to pretend I did it another way. Like, can we fudge it a yes, little bit to yes. make it look like yeah. I did it another way? Yeah. Gotcha. Versus avoidance is working from yeah. the beginning to say, hey, how can I get my maximum amount of benefits through the right pathways yeah. and right avenues? Mm-hmm. No, that makes that's weird. I but Maine would be a couple of years ahead of where the federal government is and identifying a lot of specific. But Maine allows um, regular business expenses to be deducted. Oh, oh they yeah. are. So is states that- don't always have to... Um, Oh, what's the name? Is that yeah, only they, the last couple of years? Um, so? I'm, I'm not sure exactly okay. how long. All right. But um, I guess I my had understanding always heard that they do. So I didn't, no. Okay. So there are like states can either basically agree or disagree with things that the federal that the IRS says. Like, mm-hmm. okay, you can take this in depreciation. And New Hampshire is always like, well, we don't want you to. So no. You know. So you're <laughs> you're trying yeah. to figure out like, okay, what does this state do? What does this state allow? Mm-hmm. Um, so it changes, but to go back to circle yes, back to it. the, um, oh, I said circle back. I hate corporate speak. That's you, like Jen Psaki. <laughs> I remember the whole thing is she's like the press secretary for Biden. She was. She always says, yeah. Oh, yeah, circle back, <laughs> right. circle back. And they're like, Oh my God, my head's spinning. I'm circling back so many fucking times. But I just want to make sure I get things in before people totally are like tax overload and mm-hmm. then, you know, pass out. It's like the most important things to remember are to document everything and they said this in the seminar i took uh, regarding cannabis taxes like just document everything if you're really bad at documenting take just get all your receipts and keep them in a box and write the year on it like if you're if you're like i'm never gonna do this and even if you're never gonna file your taxes which you should file them put it in a box like if you're a residential grower and you're like well i really don't make that much and i don't want to pay a bookkeeper or an accountant then have your teenager do a spreadsheet. Like there are basic things everyone can do, Mm -hmm. but if you are someone who has a storefront or a commercial cultivation, you really need a bookkeeper and you you really need need an accountant. Because your accountant is not your bookkeeper. It's Mm -hmm. not fair to go into them with a shoebox and dump it on their desk. And you'll also get like, they will charge accountant rates. Mm -hmm. So which probably are not that favorable. Yeah. I was going to say probably not favorable (laughs) to be paying accountant rates. So, so, you know, find someone like, you don't have to find someone who has a pulse who's willing to do it because a lot of bookkeepers scam people because people just shut down. You know, I can't deal with money. I'm not even going to deal with it. This person will deal with it. It's fine. They find they're they're out a hundred thousand dollars. You know, so it's just you want to build the foundation for your business that keeps it going. Do you want your cousin who kind of like builds tree houses on the side to do the foundation of your brand new house? Probably not. Like you want it to hold your business. And Someone that actually same. builds a fucking house. Yeah, yeah. right. So yeah. like yeah. you gotta. Mm-hmm. I just want to encourage people to. To either like if you know you're not good at it just get someone else to do it and if you can kind of handle it and you're small then figure out a system and plan for when you become bigger to yes. either develop that system and let it progress with the business 
or to uh, hire a bookkeeper. <laughs> yeah, that's... because they have an 80% audit rate for cannabis businesses. And it might be slow coming up to Maine because there aren't a lot of revenue wow. agents in New England. 80%? But, 80%? Wow. Yeah, 80%. Shit, that's, so, that's crazy. Actually. And the IRS is starting to hire more and more people for yeah. enforcement. Sure. So can you walk me through, like an audit, right? When you say an audit, does someone actually come to your business and yes. like, audit all your inventory and everything like that? Yeah, so I did want to talk about that too because one thing they do mention in this playbook is that the first interaction with the um, the taxpayer, the business owner, is key. Because say Mr. Revenue Agent knocked on the door and you mm -hmm. open it and they're like, hi, I'm John Smith from the IRS. You're gonna be like, holy shit. Like, and you just start talking because you're nervous. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh. But you don't have to let them in if they don't have a summons. Mm -hmm. You can get a penalty, which is around $500, but the, the first thing you should do, yeah, yeah, right. So you should say, thank you for coming over. May I have your card? I'm going to call my representative. Yeah. And you call your lawyer and your accountant, which you should already have in place, yeah. even if you never use them, mm -hmm. and they will handle it. Yeah. You are not, ideally, Would you recommend, the taxpayer does not talk to the IRS. So you'd recommend, you know, uh, basically being courteous, thanking the person yeah. from coming, but probably yeah. don't let them in. No, either. don't let them don't in. Don't let them in. You, you don't have to let them in. You mm -hmm. don't have to have a conversation with them. Yeah. You have rights. And mm -hmm. one of the, the taxpayer rights is for representation. Yeah. So that I, I that is encouraged. number one. Yeah. And don't even worry about the penalty yeah. at that point. And tell your employees. Yeah. Say, hey, if someone comes, they're from the IRS, they show you a badge, um, you do, do not let them in. You have them wait outside because you, you know, especially if you're medical, you do have patients coming in. I mean... HIPAA does not preclude you from being audited or mm -hmm. being inspected. Yeah. But um, tell your employees, if someone comes, call me. Yeah. I will talk to them. I will take their card, and then you will call their your lawyer, your accountant. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. It's just crazy too with an eighty percent audit rate. It's a lot of. We witnessed rate. that uh, locally a, a few years back. It was uh, the IRS that had done the raid, correct? I think in with conjunction. With federal backing. Yeah. Are you, oh, are you aware that of that? Up north? No, no, it happened here in the Lewiston area back in 18. No, um, I don't. I okay. don't recall that. But I wanted to, I mean, one of the things People were wondering too, at the time, though, if it was FBI. And sure, oh. it was in con connection, but IRS coats were everywhere. So it was kind of regulated or directed by them because mm -hmm. there's almost... They have a criminal investigation It unit. is. Oh, they do? Yes. As well. Yeah. It's great. Um, that's the unit that got Al Capone. So um, I do want to read this one. We have some North Fire Al Capone gear if you want a little bit. I like this. Really? This is spicy for me. Yeah. Um, so I do so want to read yes. a little piece because the big thing is substantiation of expenses. And that's what I mean by receipts and invoices yep. from other growers too. So they have here in their handbook, they say, um, the statutes are very specific res with respect to the types of record keeping required, who can be an owner, the application and licensing process and costs, security needs, etc. These taxpayers, meaning cannabis business owners, are involved in a business which is constantly under scrutiny as such any responsible business owner knows the rules and regulations much better than you will and understand the need to keep detailed business records. 
Detailed record keeping is just good business and helps the taxpayer to avoid suspicion and second guessing later on. So basically what they're saying is that ignorance and record keeping burdens are not acceptable excuse. So if they come to your door and you're like, oh man, like I didn't know, like I have so many people who say, I have to pay tax on cash. I thought cash you don't have to pay tax on. Mm. And, and you know, like, yeah, there's no I'm not saying that's not unreasonable for someone who's not yeah, to think that, yeah, no, you know, right. I've had multiple people say that. So they're saying like, guess what? These people pay a lot of money to be in this business. They have to get licenses. Now you have to get an EIN to be a caregiver. Yeah. You know what to do. And if you're not doing it, that you is tax say, evasion. I'm sorry. I'm stupid. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm no. so sorry. You know, I've been so busy. They're right. going to say, listen, I don't care no. if you're sorry. It's not my problem. You know, it's yours. <laughs> you go say <laughs> sorry to someone else. I just write you up for what you did. Yeah. And I mean, tax evasion is prison and high fines. And same with 40, Form 8300. If you are willfully not filing Form 8300, you can get fined up to a million dollars and you can go to prison. And it's, it, it's funny too, because a lot of, uh, laws surrounding financial things like uh, laundering money holds quite a prison mandatory prison yeah. sentence like i've been seeing i saw this and i'm like holy moly you know and they count anything for example i know this guy that was uh he was he was selling you know he had a big grow nothing was really licensed this was a raid that happened maybe three or four years ago in this area and three charges that he got and some of the most substantial charges he got were for money laundering because he paid for his house three times in cash and the guy deposited the money without the form 8300 or whatever just put the money in his account mm -hmm. and they considered that money laundering and so the guy that paid him that's a, that was that's a timmy you know he got three mm -hmm. extra charges for giving this guy you know mortgage payments for his house gotcha. that were all in cash which sucks because you can't get a mortgage a lot of times if you're mm -hmm. in the cannabis business it's so, a personal right. it's a friend of friend oh, hey this is my old home yeah you want to buy it I'll but make that payments. happens a lot because mm -hmm. the line of can't credit get mortgages like this is this is where it's so messed up it's like you know they're like oh um you can't bank you have to work in cash but then you have to fill out all these forms and we're going to audit you because you look suspicious because we won't let banking happen. Mm. I mean, that's totally unfair, I think. Yeah, it doesn't feel as though it's, it's like I, a, I mean, I'd be wondering who exactly gets audited most. It's like double-ended sword. Like, hey, we're not gonna loan you the money, and by the way, if, if your friend loans you the money, you're laundering money. And it's like, oh, nice. <laughs> it's like sick, that, that works great. There yeah. were a lot of investors into the cannabis industry as well, local people, lo local business people who got involved in wanting to invest in it. So, I'm, I mean, I'm sure, there need to be things that were paper trailed uh, through all of that as well, right? Mm -hmm. And so I don't know. I don't know if that happened. Well, or it's my understanding everywhere. if you're getting investors and using the word investor, you have to file with the SEC. Like a SECD form yeah. or whatever like that or something. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but some people get well, loans. There's kind of been partners. a common practice of uh, five people throw in 100000 uh, six months later, you get so that would I think be more considered a partnership or whatever. But like, an investor is like actually yeah. like you know like you're selling shares technically. I think at that point and shit like that. So that's like that's where yes. the SEC yeah. gets you're involved. You're promising and, a return exactly. On your investment. Mm -hmm. So there's a little bit more I think to do with that, which I always thought was weird. I, I think it's so weird filing at a federal level where it's so illegal. Does that make sense? You know what I'm saying? It's like hey, I'm filing tax on the federal level. I'm filing like even an investor filing through the SEC. And the infrastructure that they're filing through is actively trying to crush, you know what I'm saying, cannabis the, business. The IRS has hired contractors to count all the cash coming in from cannabis businesses. I mean, it it is totally ludicrous. Mm -hmm. And everyone's like, oh, yay, Amazon isn't testing people for smoking cannabis. It's like, yeah, Amazon makes 
millions of dollars from the cannabis industry. Yeah. Even though it's illegal, like all these companies who try to, who are like, oh, we don't take cannabis money, that's BS. Home Depot, Lowe's, like, where do you think everyone's buying stuff? talk about w9s and 1099s which yeah. everyone gets confused so the 1099 yeah no you're right okay so 1099 yeah. is what you receive like a independent contractor yes okay yeah. so it's you know everyone thinks oh if i pay my buddy you know 500 dollars under the table i'm not responsible for anything that's pretty much true it's up to your buddy to report that income but if you pay them 600 dollars or over you have to get a w9 form from them with their social security and their um, name and address. And then in January of the following year, you have to issue a 1099 to them. Um, because if you don't do that, not only is there, of course it's the IRS, a penalty, you also um, could be liable for payroll taxes. So wait, it's 600 total? 600 like, or above. That's in total gross pay in a year? Yes. Oh wow, that's not that's a that's quite a small threshold. <laughs> yes, it is a really small threshold. So yeah. I think people think like, oh, it's a thousand dollars, two thousand, whatever. Well, if you exactly. pay them through PayPal, um, I think they're starting to issue ten ninety nines. Oh, but no if you way. write them a check or pay them in cash, you know, of course you want to get a receipt, mm -hmm. but also you need to issue a ten ninety nine because, um, especially if it's a contractor, two years down the line, if they get audited, they'd be like, well. I thought Carrie was going to um, pay the payroll taxes on that. I had no idea. And then you're liable for their payroll taxes. So that's really how the whole conundrum would start in the sense of like, that's how you would yes. get in the can is yep. from someone else getting audited and then being like, well, hey, I don't know what the shit about yeah. that. I just got paid a thousand bucks in cash. And also on your tax return, it says, did this business, is this business required to file 1099s? And if so, did they file them? And most of the time it's not the actual, and correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of times these small infractions aren't really the issue it's it creates this crack yes that then opens the yeah. floodgate for the irs to come in and go through everything exactly. and that's when you can really have some big problems yeah so it's like that and that's what i think you were saying is like the minuscule details are easy to overlook mm -hmm. but those minuscule details can really lead to some serious issues if they're just if they're overlooked because then you don't know what else is wrong in your infrastructure and then the penalties start to add up and one five hundred dollar fee isn't nothing until it's <laughs> You're at a couple thousand dollars in fees and potential jail time and a fine and all this stuff. I mean, this is how they shut down a lot of businesses in Colorado. Yeah. Is they find them so heavily that they couldn't afford to stay open. And I don't want to see anyone in Maine go through that. Have you have you seen some They revisited that end of uh, the most recent uh, decisions. Uh, so they created a, a less rigid. I don't know the, the information, the For details what? on it. So uh, for infractions and what the penalties were going to be on the OMP, there have been some, uh, oh, there no. was an amendment, but unfortunately, I don't know. It sounded like it was a positive, like it wasn't going to be so brutal yes. as it was before. But, uh, I and I know too. they introduced something about like first time is a slap on the wrist, like it's, you know, a warning. Uh, and then the second was also supposed to be a warning. Then the third starts the infractions. 
But I think that was a little too delayed for OMP, so they must have met somewhere in the middle of that. But that has nothing to do with tax code. At the end of the day, like, so the OMP can't go ahead and tell the main legislature how they're taxing cannabis, right? Or are um, they providing guidance to? Well, the well, OMP was trying to say you need third-party audits of your mm -hmm. finances. Um, you can't be a partnership if you're married. That was they were one, saying yeah. that too. Mm -hmm. And then um, Mike Wilson, I think from Minecraft Cannabis. Yeah, yeah, Mike yeah, Wilson. yeah. Mm -hmm. So someone in the hearings was talking about he the doesn't PowerPoint. like spin drift. <laughs> Oh, really? I'm sorry. He's really missing out. Let me take a sip of this delicious yes, yes, no. Oh, hydration. <laughs> so um, anyway, I, I bugged him and said, hey, can I see your PowerPoint presentation? Total nerd. And he was saying, like, you know, the more regulations you put on caregivers, the more are going to go back into the black market. And I, I think that's true, especially in for in the financial aspect of things. Yeah. So it's it's trying to make things a little easier and more manageable for smaller caregivers, but they will have to kind of level up to what needs to be done, but not to be like huge penalties for the first time, second time infraction. I mean, you have to give some people some ramp up time, but this is kind of the warning shot across the bow. And eventually I do, I'm not trying to play devil's advocate in favor of the IRS because I do think that they get enough <laughs> money and whatnot. But it's one of those things where there always has to be that line. Like, hey, we've given six to 12 months to 18 months. We're no longer allowing you to use the ignorance card. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the sad reality that we're facing. We're coming into that phase right now where you're not going to be able to play that with the state anymore. We've already seen with federal level, they're not playing that at all. You have no wiggle room to say, hey, I didn't know. They don't give yeah. a crap. And that's understood from them. But the state has been a little bit willing to work with them. At least that's what I'm understanding from you. And that's coming to an end. You really got to get your stuff in line. Yeah, and I have I have clients who were inspected by OMP and said they were perfectly nice and tell them what they needed to do. And when they tell you what you need to do and you do it, then then that's all good. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. same with for, Form 8300. What I did is I created a manual for my clients that they have on site so that they, you know, if the IRS comes in, they have a manual showing them how to handle cash. So they know, yes, this person, this business knows about 8300. They're doing it. They have someone auditing them every year and, and updating their manual. Okay. So because. Almost makes them look with a little bit of less, uh, less urgency. Like, oh God, these yeah. people kind of have an idea of what they're supposed to be doing. Right. Because if you're, you know, if you have your books and you're putting everything under cost of goods because you don't want to pay taxes, the, the IRS is going to be like, I call bullshit, you know, <laughs> but if you're breaking out every receipt, like, oh, this Red Bull is not a cost of goods that I got at Home Depot. It's an office expense. And they're like, okay, this person is actually looking at their receipts yeah. and taking the time to break them out. They're not trying to get anything by. Mm -hmm. shift gears just a little bit talk uh, about currency and cryptocurrency it seems to be a pretty strong alternative or a higher alternative at least talked about in many different forms within the cannabis industry and and it, obviously it's grown in popularity outside of cannabis but mm -hmm. but it was one of the reasons or attractions i think for for many well yeah it was because of that opportunity to be able to continue mm-hmm well, you, I mean, that started with Silk Road, right? Yeah. Where Silk Road, yeah, they right. Would use, That's the way I understood yeah. it. Yeah. And now they're using it with the ransomware attacks, is they're being paid in cryptocurrency. So the Martha's Vineyard Ferry got 
um, had a ransomware attack. That's a smart hit. Martha's Vineyard. Yep. That's, yeah, that's a good one. That's what I would do. <laughs> you know, avoid the children. The whole hospital thing really irks me. The meat industry. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. What? Take, take yeah. a part. The meat industry. Yeah, the meat industry last week. So, like, they're really, and they're getting paid in cryptocurrency. So, uh, cryptocurrency for the IRS, they just started really figuring out, like, oh, we got to get on this. So I have to ask bit. every one of my clients, did you buy or sell any cryptocurrency sure. this year? And I own some Bitcoin, a very small amount, just because I wanted to learn about it a yeah, few right. years ago. It's like approximately 145 <laughs> yeah, Bitcoin. Right? You had that yep. day or those, that it, week? But, those I like, yeah. but um, <laughs> no, I really did not make that much. No. But... Um, what'd you understand about it then what what'd you learn from it geez not much no <laughs> it's still so um big to me it's like you know it's a ledger and then someone over here has a machine they're running things through and i i the don't mining know of it yeah, and all the mining. oh yeah it's like it makes your my head i just spin. use coinbase so mm -hmm. coin, you know it's like, like finance crypto and that for, stuff for yep. dummies mm -hmm. and um that's what I used. And then I bought some other like weird cryptocurrency with it. Not Dogecoin. <laughs> I wish I bought Dogecoin though. I wish I did in the beginning. Well, cause I would have made some money off it. I knew yeah. way too much. Like hard. just always be prepared to put in what you will feel comfortable losing. Losing, yeah. Is, is my thing with cryptocurrency. But I think. So it's gambling. All right. Well, it's so like one of my buddies, gambling. he goes, I have 6,000 yeah. in my crypto wallet. I'm like, oh my God, how much did you put in? That's great. He goes 75. I'm like, oh, oh. I'm like, <laughs> sorry about that. that. I was like, oh, well, that's not good. But if you're like, it, basically from a federal perspective, trafficking in illegal drugs, and then you start using cryptocurrency, like you might as well just send an engraved invitation to the IRS. <laughs> like, come on over here. Well, what do you want for dinner? You know, <laughs> yeah. like just. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, just, you know, like keep it in perspective. Like it feels very relaxed in Maine you know because it's very open mm -hmm. and which i think is amazing like i went to seaweed to their their adult use store oh, and i down in portland yes yep. um in february but i you know when i was young i used to go to my mom's shop in nagunkwit she had a clothing store and she and her friends would go in the back and they would smoke weed and so like the smell of it reminds me of my childhood you know like i grew <laughs> up around it i yep. used it in high school and college but it was always like this hidden thing and forget about like choosing what you were going to smoke it's like oh that okay yeah, someone can scraped I get up some I, dirt yeah. from the playground or whatever you know <laughs> you, yeah, you to, were smoking to go it. in somewhere and feel like not a prisoner and like a real adult just mm -hmm. oh, browsing sure. was really almost emotional for me because i'm like this is how it should be i have very close relatives three close relatives who have died from alcohol related illnesses yeah. mm -hmm. and my cousin was 52 when yeah. he died 52. Oh, wow. yeah very young. and i have a very yeah. close family member right now who's end stage liver so mm -hmm. i'm not saying i don't ever drink but i am saying like it makes no sense to me why people can be so crazy about cannabis not being legal when people are killing themselves every day with alcohol it's true. I actually saw a report recently that said, um, and I'm not taking credit for finding it. I saw it posted somewhere, but in areas where cannabis has become popular, like um, your your Addiction rates of yo, your rates of DUI drop, your rates of like people at bars drop. Like it basically says it's levels out as cannabis businesses increase, bars somewhat kind of find a way to drift down until mm -hmm. like they're all reaching some sort of equilibrium. You know, like and that's that was really interesting to me. They're like people drink less when there's more cannabis. And you know, I'm not, I, I'm not one to judge which vice is better, which is not. Personally, I think the research is relatively obvious that cannabis is quite harmless compared to alcohol. But you know, it's, it's something interesting to look at. And like you said too, 
addiction falls, opioid use falls. It's, yeah. There's a lot of stuff that coincides to positive use of cannabis. I mean, I have a teenager. I would not recommend that she do what I did in high school because I do think it does affect you poorly. I have friends who have teenage, mostly weirdly sons, who really start, like one in California, she lives in L.A., her son just smoked all the time and just kind of petered out oh, yeah. and then came back. But So I'm not advocating for that, but I am advocating normalizing it mm -hmm. and not making it some hidden shameful thing. I mean, I... I live in Portsmouth, so that's somewhat of a suburban town. I mean, it's it's kind of ridiculous. So my daughter is going to college in New York City. Her studio in New York City costs the same as a studio in Portsmouth at one of the new buildings they're building. It, it's so it's, wait, that makes Portsmouth expensive. Yes. It's, okay, that's it's what I was going to say. Insane. I was trying to see how you're reading that. I was yeah. like, wait a second. I was yeah, like, New York's Portsmouth is crazy expensive. Mm -hmm. it, it's not conservative, but it's not liberal. You know what I mean? But well, that's I, kind of like described to all of New Hampshire. Yeah. Well, actually, most New Hampshire is like not liberal, very conservative. And, and my dad is super conservative. Yep. Obviously, my mom is not. She, mm -hmm. you know, she went a different path. But I tell everyone that I do cannabis accounting because I want it to be normalized. Yeah. I want people to not. I think people really underestimate the cannabis um the cannabis community and the industry like mm. oh yeah just a bunch of stoners like trying to lure children in or whatever stupid shit like that yeah yeah and i want people to see like oh it is actually a real business yeah you know so and i want cannabis businesses to treat their businesses like real businesses so that they can prosper too because a lot of times making money is demonized like oh that person made too much money or whatever but when you make money you support your family you can donate to causes like for your community yeah yeah so it's it's not we feel like we've evil. seen a lot of that in the community right now well, this is what i think is, and my and biggest it, thing it is can only continue you don't see the numbers mm -hmm. that you see from that that these cannabis businesses are pulling from how do I wear this? Not a lot of family-owned businesses make that type of money, right? And a lot of family-owned businesses take care of their employees. So now you have family-owned businesses that are making a lot of money and also letting it trickle down to their employees. And that doesn't happen often. And I think that scares a lot of people. It makes a lot of big businesses feel weary because then you have other their employees saying, well, look, this guy can start over at a cannabis place and make 20 bucks. Mm -hmm. Walmart Distribution Center, you're breaking your back and you're making 23 yeah. You know, so you can sell weed at a shop and have a good time. And I'm not not trying to like discredit the fact that it's an actual business, but manual labor, being a laborer versus a bud tender, there's a vast difference in work. You know, well, cannabis that, so. offers both though too. We're going to mm -hmm. have a lot more in gardens. Oh yeah, a lot more of that. But I'm just saying continue, the base level of right. bud tender can start just as much as someone that's doing heavy physical labor. And I think that it's interesting to me. It, that's what I think has helped out the community more than anything is small business owners making a lot of money and letting that money go right down through the ranks of their employees. Yeah, there's a lot of back of the house employees mm -hmm. too. You know, people who are working, you know, up for manufacturing, packaging, all in, on a mm -hmm. retail level. Yeah. So it's important. There's well, a lot of people in one space. Go and ahead, on I'm main sorry. trees, they'll, you know, people will complain about the prices for stores or they're gouging or whatever, but a store is like a, a loss leader. You know, mm -hmm. like when you have people working in a store, you cannot deduct their salaries. You cannot deduct any store costs except for the flour or the goods you purchase to sell. That's wild. So no advertising, you can't. The slap stickers, those are not deductible. Mm. So, you know, just so many things you don't think of. And they want to provide health insurance for their employees. They want to provide them benefits. They want to give them a living wage. Yep. And so, yes, everyone will have to pay a little more for that. But, you know, I don't see anyone I know 
out to gouge anyone. And if anything, I'm like, will you please just raise your prices a little bit because your tax bill is insane, yeah. you know? And that's why that's the one thing too. And I, I don't mean to frame it in the sense of like these cannabis guys are making too much money and that and like they're they're making a lot of money. But like you just said, I know people that have thirty six thousand dollar tax bills, you know, and that's a, that's a weekly monthly lucky. thing. Yeah, no, that's that's like a, a <laughs> weekly thing, you yeah. know, or something. That's what they're paying for their sales tax after two weeks or however they pay their sales tax and stuff like that. So there is a lot of expenses that go into this. You know, you're talking payrolls that are through the roof too, because it's, they're big companies that have blown yeah, up out of nowhere. You were saying at lowest margins in the game, you know, mm -hmm. you really have to be as tight and as efficient as you possibly can be, mm -hmm. because if you're not, you're, you're going to suffer for it. It's yeah. just the numbers will stop adding up. So will it, will it become a little bit more, regulated in that sense in the coming years obviously probably it always will upgrade or update in some sense i think Things so to be because concerned once about they deschedule then um you know they will start to regulate more i mean that is the thing with you know when they legalize it it does mean more regulation mm. so um I'm, I'm looking at my notes here um yeah, other things that people might not be aware of are um, if you are selling wholesale, even if you don't have to pay tax on it, you have to file a return with main revenue. They're called zero returns. So based, and even if you're not selling anything, you have to file a return. Oh. So just, I don't know, stay on top of your business. Even just pay someone for two hours to tell them like maybe what you're doing right or wrong. Yeah. You know. Yeah, so getting now, any kind of consultation that you can. Mm -hmm. Now, if someone wants to contact you, they're like, I want to hire Imperial. What What do we go through? What is the whole idea? I um, said Imperial too. Emerald Sky Financial. Right. <laughs> you are just making it all up. I'm going to have a cookie. I was like, right? I was like, Imperial. I was like, uh, I don't think so. But Emerald Sky, if someone wants to contract well, out Emerald Sky, I'm great. Thank you, though. Um, well, right. I have very close relationships with my clients, and a lot of them are moving into adult use while mm -hmm. they're still in medical. So personally, I'm kind of at capacity. I'm always <laughs> happy to talk to someone, but um, I don't want to. The way I run my practice is that um, I don't want to overburden myself so that everyone loses, you right. know. But there, I do want to get my clients to a point where they should hire someone in-house because mm -hmm. that makes a, a difference. Um, but, yeah, I have a website um, that anyone's welcome to reach out to me through Instagram. It's Emerald Sky Financial. Emerald Sky. Yep. So, but... Um, yeah, it's just education. All the information's out there. The bulletins through Main Revenue Service are really helpful. You should can look those up. Yep. No, I mean, that's that's awesome, too. And I do think it's kind of cool that you serve from a point of like, hey, I'm not here for a long time. I'm here for a good time. I want to yeah. get you on the track. <laughs> and then I want to. And that's cool, though, because it yeah. seems like that's what interests you. You're not there to do the day to day stuff. You want to solve a messy situation, tidy it up get them on their way and then move to the next big challenge, which I think that's what keeps you going and keeps you excited about all this. It does. And thank you for asking about it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't want to come across like I'm here to sell my services. <laughs> I just, it makes me a little crazy when I watch like the OMP sessions and I see things online and I feel like there's just so much confusion and with all the rules and regulations and OMP, their focus is not on taxes, you know? So when they're, uh, I wrote testimony because they were like, oh, you can't have a partner if you're married and from a tax perspective that's just wrong that you shouldn't be that they shouldn't be telling people that and I don't think that passed which right. is good 
But, um, you know, I just want, I, I want to see this industry thrive. I love Maine. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to see anyone go down. the more informed they are about tax <laughs> issues, you're helping to solve one key problem or, or potential problem on their behalf. I think it's just amazing how educated you are, too, about it. From someone that, like, obviously you said you, you dabbled in it. You do use cannabis. It's not like you're crazy in the industry before you you know you had a normal life and all that stuff but you've really taken a lot of steps she loves to kind the of vibe she yeah no loves the vibe <laughs> being here. i feel like you take a lot of intoxicating in that way yeah. isn't it, it but is. i feel like you've taken a lot of steps to know what's going on you've tried to be on the ground level like i said you contact dispensaries the fact that you read the main trees thread too just to understand more and see like i feel like it's given you a better scope of what's going on what what are common issues that people run into i don't know i really admire the back all the back work that you put in to try to get to the point of knowing stuff because you know a lot of things for someone that you know on the yeah. on the outside it's like a I wouldn't expect an accountant to know this much about the industry. You know, you know more than I think a lot of she other people She knows a do. lot about New Hampshire, too. <laughs> I do. She does. I do. <laughs> She's watching that one as well. But, I mean, I don't, want to be, I don't want to step in and be like someone that I'm just it like, yes, you. I'm in the community. But, I mean, I do feel like just from growing up with it mm -hmm. in Maine and then leaving the West for the West Coast and coming back. And yep. when I left my last job, just to start my own business, I was like, all right, if I'm really going to bite the bullet and become an enrolled agent, I want it to be interesting. And yeah. I want to work with people I'm comfortable with and mm -hmm. that I have fun with. Yeah. And I have a lot of fun with my clients. Like, mm -hmm. I give them shit. If they don't put receipts up, they're getting a gift from me of, like, some eye rolling. You know, like, we just <laughs> yeah. laugh, too. Yeah. But I, I also take their business seriously. Mm -hmm. So, you A lot know, of unknowns going it's, into it that you really had to yeah. become well-studied, well-versed I mean, in it. You have, so... Life awesome. is an adventure, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. why do just totally boring stuff just because it's easy? And this definitely is not easy. I feel like I learn things that I feel like, why didn't I know this last year? You know, like, they, it's like peeling an onion here. Yeah. So, well, no, I mean, that's just, it's amazing to me, too. The biggest thing that has, I'm wondering how many people are going to watch this, how many people are going to contact after and say, do you sell gummies? I'll save you two and a half percent. If I, you, I can get you two and a half percent back, I just want one percent of the two and a half. <laughs> so, no, that's cool. But yeah. thank you so much, Megan, for coming yeah. on. Oh, wait, I have, a, I have a present for you guys. Oh, so, you um, when I was young and in a gunkwit and my mom was getting stoned in the back, she <laughs> would give me, I don't know if either of you guys have heard of these guys, the fabulous furry freak brothers comics the, the oh fabulous what say it fabulous furry freak brothers freak brothers so no. this is in late 70s and my mom's just like here have a comic book the the most inappropriate content you could ever <laughs> give a child so it's these three hippies totally getting stoned all the time running around like crazy total everything I've wrong in there before. But, I um, remember. <laughs> it's like an ed ed and eddie uh, yeah. so uh yeah so i brought those for you guys thank because you so much. it That's does cool. remind me of my Gorgeous. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Megan, <laughs> yeah, for coming on. Appreciate your involvement in the community yeah. and identifying being a part of it and offering solutions for people and information. Mm -hmm. and that's what's up. And if you're interested, don't visit Imperial Sky. <laughs> it is Emerald Sky. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you. Yes. Mm -hmm.